a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. President of the Republic of Maldives, Mohamed Moizu, is paying a state visit to China this week. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin said Chinese President Xi Jinping will hold talks with President Moizu. The two heads will also attend a signing ceremony of cooperation documents. Our Huang Yue reports. According to the Chinese Foreign Ministry, Chinese President Xi Jinping will hold a welcome ceremony and a banquet for President Moise, and the two heads of state will hold formal talks and jointly attend the signing ceremony of cooperation documents. Meanwhile, Chinese Premier Li Qiang and Chairman of the National People's Congress Standing Committee Zhao Leji will also meet with President Moise. So this is Maldivian President's first state visit to a foreign country since he took office in November last year. And of course, when talking about the Maldives, uh, the first word that pops up is tourism. Tourism is the pillar industry of the country, and from 2010, China was the largest source of uh, tourists to the Maldives for 10 consecutive years. And in January 2023, the Maldives was included in the first batch of uh, pilot countries to resume China's outbound group travel. A mutual visa exemption policy between the two countries took effect in February 2023, allowing Chinese citizens visa-free Day or transit in the country for no more than 30 days for business and travel purposes. And another important thing that's worth mentioning is the China-Maldives Friendship Bridge, which is known as a flagship project under the Belt and Road Cooperation. Uh, the bridge was officially opened in late August 2018 with a designated service life of 100 years, uh, which played an important role in the Maldives' economic and social development. And the Maldivian President Moise once said that this bridge has changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, both people living there and visitors, because it gave rise to bridge-related jobs in the country. So both sides attach great importance to this visit. The free trade agreement with China was the first of its kind for the Maldives, a South Asian country of 500,000 people. Almost 96% of goods traded between the two countries now enjoy zero tariff treatment. In 2022, the annual trade volume between China and the Maldives rose 10% from a year earlier to 451 million US dollars. Chinese capital and infrastructure expertise have also played a role in the development of the Maldives. The China-Maldives Friendship Bridge, which cost $200 million and opened in 2018, allows people to walk from the Capital Mall to the fast-growing artificial island of Ho Ho Mall. In 2022, Chinese companies sealed deals worth a total of $570 million with their Maldivian counterparts. 
And of course, China stands out as one of the primary sources of foreign tourists visiting the Maldives, accounting for one in every 10 travelers to the island nation. The Maldives in the Indian Ocean boasts a mix of natural beauty and increasing facilities and attractions for tourists. As Chinese outbound travel continues to gain momentum, the archipelago has become an appealing destination for tourists. Dakai talks to industry insiders about the current trends and how the Maldives is looking to benefit in 2024. The allure of crystal clear waters Luxury bungalows and iconic palm trees draws over 1 million tourists worldwide to the Maldives every year, with a significant portion traveling from China. Eight hours after taking off on a flight from Beijing, you'll be in the Maldives capital, Mali, a tropical paradise that most Chinese tourists put on their travel wish lists. What more significant boosts in Chinese tourism to the Maldives occurred early last year when the two countries introduced reciprocal visa-free entry for their residents. Statistics show that within half an hour of announcing the mutual visa exemption, China's online travel platforms experienced a staggering 200% increase in page views related to the Maldives. In the Maldives, many of the islands are known for hosting luxury resorts rated 5, 6, or even 7 stars, as they run under the model of one island, one hotel. The choice of islands varies based on the types of tourists, including families, groups of friends, parent-child trips, and even corporate team building. Nestled in the Indian Ocean, the world's lowest-lying nation features over 1,100 islands, inspiring many visitors to return multiple times. A public document from the Maldives Tourism Ministry shows that in 2023, China ranked among the top three countries bringing the most visitors, with an impressive 187,000 tourists. As we enter 2024, many travel agencies here in China believe that trend will continue. More younger consumers are diversifying their travel demands, and a new international airport is set to open soon in the Maldives. For travel agencies, 2023 served as a transition phase for outbound tourism, setting the stage for rapid growth in 2024. The Maldives, catering to the increasing demand from Chinese tourists, is poised for this surge. Data we've collected shows a rise in middle to high-end travelers, aligning with the Maldives' appeal for upscale tourism. The new Valana International Airport is also about to go operational. Another factor contributing to the upswing is the increasing choices of younger Chinese travelers born after 1995. This generation is seen as more open to exploring diverse options for overseas honeymoons and weddings. As predicted by travel agencies, the trend is expected to bring a higher influx of Chinese travelers to the Maldives this year. Now for more discussions on the China-Maldives relations, let's bring in Li Yong, chief researcher at uh, DNC Think Tank. Uh, Li Yong, good to see you. Um, first, let's talk about this, what strategies can be implemented to promote the 21st century maritime Silk Road initiative that can benefit both countries. Well, I think going forward, the two countries probably will uh, focus uh, in three areas. First of all, of course, is the uh, high-quality uh, development of the Belt and Road Initiative. And that, I think, it is going to be a deepened relationship and uh, enlarge the fit uh, between China's Global Development Initiative and, um, uh, and Maldivians' uh, strategies diversified development and that I think it is going to be a comprehensive uh, cooperation and second I think it is going to be the continued 
cooperation in uh, the construction of uh, infrastructure, uh, and of course, uh, the uh, strengthening of the uh, economic trade relations, particularly, uh, you know, pushing the uh, FTA to take effect as early as possible. And the uh, third one, I think, is going to be uh, the people-to-people exchange, which is going to be strengthened and uh, and expanded, uh, particularly in the area of cultural exchanges, education, you know, youth, sports, health, and etc. So those, I think, will be the uh, uh, the pillars uh, uh, based on which I think the uh, the Belt and Road Initiative is going to be uh, uh, developing uh, in Mal- in Maldives. Yeah, and we know tourism is an important pillar uh, for Maldives' economy. How has China's outbound tourism recovered post-pandemic, um, especially to the Maldives? I think you know the uh, uh, China's outbound tr- tourists uh, tourism you know has become uh, uh, recovering has been recovering, and last year, according to United Nations uh, World uh, World Tourism Organization, the third quarter. Um, outbound travel uh, reached uh, more uh, about 55% of the uh, uh, the pre-pandemic level, but industry experts believe that 2024 is going to be a year of full rebound and recovery, and China will re- re-establish itself, uh, you know, as the largest, uh, uh, you know, outbound. Uh, travel market, I, and uh, if let's put it into perspective, you know, if uh, that if the this year is going to reach the uh, 2019 or the pre-pandemic uh, time, uh, that is you know the is going to be uh, 150 million visitors going uh, out of country, and uh, the total spending is going to be 250 billion U.S. dollars. So that is going to be a huge. Recovery, if we can, you know, re- uh, reach the uh, pre uh, pre pandemic level, so we can expect, uh, uh, you know, this is going to happen. And with regard to uh, the tourist tourism with uh, uh, Maldives, um, you know, the first seven months, I think, about a hundred thousand Chinese uh, uh, visitors, tourists, you know, went to Maldives, and uh, starting from August uh, to uh, for August, China uh, started to record the number one source of uh, tourists uh, in among the other countries. Source of uh, tourists of other countries. So uh, this year, I believe, with the uh, you know the visa exemption, China's tourists is going to uh, we can expect more Chinese tourists to visit Maldives. Yeah, really appreciate your time. Leon, chief researcher at DNC Think Tank. The domestic tourism industry witnessed a strong resurgence in 2023 with overseas property developers and hotel operators quick to step up their development plans. Zhang Shixuan visited a newly opened hotel in Suzhou to learn more. Screens with Chinese-style paintings Suzhou embroidery, and of course, a Suzhou-style garden. 
all inside a hotel operated by a Canadian luxury hospitality group. It's located on a verdant island on Jingji Lake in the city of Suzhou. When we looked at our plans, we really wanted to make sure we are ready before Chinese New Year, which is obviously the most important date in our calendar. We started, in fact, receiving our guests on November 30th, and the feedback has been great. 2023 is actually a record year for Four Seasons globally, and in particular in mainland, we saw business come back very strong in some of our hotels, actually even better than 2019, which was our record year previously. So we're very happy to see two things. First of all, domestic travel has come back very, very strong. Uh, and the good news is that we see more opportunity for the international business from mainland and to mainland as well to come back, probably in the second half of 2024 and early 2025. Mainland is very important to the growth of Four Seasons. Most recently, during the eight-day Mid-Autumn Festival and National Day holiday, a staggering 826 million trips were made. Domestic tourism revenue grew by almost 130% year-on-year. Commercial properties, including hotels, have benefited from this growth and are making expansion plans. The recovery is actually across the board. Uh, we, have, we, are, we are present in, uh, mo in most of the major uh, first tier and tier 1.5 cities. Uh, and across all these cities, uh, we see sales at our, our malls uh, all exceeding uh, pre-COVID levels uh, by quite a big margin. And so our, our rental income. Uh, and we also see, we continue to see strong interest from uh, tenants who want to renew with us and new tenants who are entering the market. Hong Kong-based Song Hong Kai Properties is the developer of the newly opened Four Seasons Hotel in Suzhou. The firm now has a strong presence in the Yangtze River Delta region, and they don't plan on stopping there. The Yangtze River Delta is always at the forefront of uh, high-quality development, whether it's from the consumer side, you have the most demanding consumers here, but also I think the government is also uh, very willing to to work together with businesses to unlock new growth paths and to continuously to upgrade the quality of uh, services and products, uh, whether it's real estate development or hardware, or whether it's to bring in uh, new shops and new, new retail concepts to the region. So for us, we see the Yangtze River Delta as a place to put in our best teams and the best projects. And hopefully we can also use this as a springboard to expand to to the other parts of the country. For example, two of our biggest ongoing projects right now, uh, one is the Shanghai uh, Xu Xiahui ITC project, and the other one is the Hangzhou IFC project. They're both large-scale, uh, complex projects. And when, when we complete these projects, we also intend to hold them for the long term and to continuously enhance them by upgrading the tenant mix and the hardware and to maintain top quality. Zhang Shuxuan, ICS for CGTN, Shanghai. Now for more on foreign investment in China, let's bring in Chen Jiahe, CEO of Novum RK Technologies. Jiahe, good to see you. So what's your assessment of the 2023 foreign investments in China? Speaking of the global market, the past few years have not been very friendly to global investment and trade, partly because of the COVID pandemic that has lasted for three long years and partly because of the rising geopolitical tension around the world. Uh, but within this difficult situation, China has tried its best to attract the global investment and encourage the global trade, especially 
Yesterday in last year, when the pandemic has been over, you know, finally, uh, China has set out many policies to attract the global capital and trade. We have seen many restrictions for foreign investment have been removed. Import taxes have been cut for many importing items. And the government has set out many papers and policies that aim at encouraging the global investment. Uh, currently, China is still one of the most important hubs for global investment capital, which brings a lot of support to the growth of the global economy. Yeah. And how has the structure of foreign investment in China evolved in recent years? And what key changes have been observed in the composition and distribution of foreign investments across different sectors and regions in China? Well, for the foreign investment in China, we can see a few important changes. Uh, first of all, for the funds that come into China, we have seen more from the emerging economies, such as Asian countries, uh, Middle East countries, etc. This is partly because these economies are growing faster than the matured economies, and partly because there is very stable political relation between these economies and China, so business are confident to make long-term investments. Uh, meanwhile, more investments are now flowing into sectors where China is developing, such as high-tech industry, uh, medical service, new medicine, uh, environment, high-end manufacturing, etc. Since there are more opportunities of growth in these industries, so they um, tend to attract more capital. Uh, finally, more funds are now going to the once less developed provinces in China. In the past, many funds just stay in the coastal area. But now, as the inland provinces are growing and expanding, the business environment is turning better in these areas. So they are also attracting more funds than before. All right. Thank you so much for your insights. Really appreciate your time. Chen Jiahe, CIO of Novum RK Technologies. Yemen's Houthi group continues to target commercial vessels in the Red Sea using missiles, drones, and helicopters. They claim the ships they're attacking are linked to Israel. The route is crucial to global supply chains, raising fears that costs for certain goods could skyrocket. Peter Oliver reports. It's a long way from Paris, Berlin and Rome, but what happens in the Red Sea has a crucial knock-on impact on the delivery of goods globally. The Red Sea is extremely crucial for shipping because it connects the Far East with uh, North Europe and also with the East Coast of the United States, also with the East Mediterranean. The attacks by Houthi militants have seen major shipping firms like Harpeg Lloyd and Maersk divert fleets away from the Red Sea to the far longer Cape of Good Hope route to reach the West. This adds at least two weeks to journey times and considerable extra costs of around $1.25 million per sailing all of which is expected to be passed on to the end consumer. One third of the world's container traffic usually goes through the Red Sea and the Suez Canal. This includes 12% of global oil tankers and 8% of the world's liquefied natural gas. It's also the main route into Europe for palm oil. Now that is used in all kinds, from the humble ready meal right through to chocolate. We may well see the price for products increase because the cost of the journey bringing goods into Europe, that has gone up significantly. If you look at, at the travel time, which is in some respect now double, triple the time to the Eastern Met, normally it's 10 days through the canal. Now it is 18 days longer. So that means additional fuel cost. And if you add this up, you know, depending on the ship type, it's a high two-digit amount of tons per day. And then if you look at the fuel prices and you add that together, then you, you can easily say that just for December 
and everything for us started on the 18th of December. We had a two-digit million amount of U.S. dollars addition for uh, fuel costs. Germany has joined a group of 12 nations warning of military consequences for the Houthis if they continue to attack shipping vessels. The real risk in Berlin and other European capitals is that the inevitable rise in consumer costs could throw economies that are already struggling back into the mire of rising inflation. Peter Oliver, CGTN, Berlin. East African countries are facing increasing economic pressure due to Houthi attacks on cargo ships in the Red Sea. Many global shipping companies are shunning the waters off the coast of Yemen, raising the cost of goods in Kenya and other regional countries. Nick Mudimba has more. Commercial shipping has been greatly affected and the ports of Mombasa and Dar es Salaam are not receiving goods as usual. Now, 20% of world's container ships are avoiding the Red Sea. Instead, they are using and of course teaming around southern Africa instead. Now this is making the route longer and it's trickling down uh, to a commercial side of making things expensive here in Kenya. For example, car dealers have to deal with more days to receive the goods but as it is right now the Houthi rebels are still continuing with their onslaught on these commercial ships even as other international bodies and countries are trying to intervene. Higher cost of shipping and the cost of actually just making sure the ships are using longer routes is also a problem. The fuel prices globally have increased and this is making things even more expensive for countries like Kenya. So many consumers have to wait longer for their goods to arrive, which is catastrophic to their businesses. For example, as I mentioned earlier, car dealers and of course steel in construction is making even building in the country very expensive. The ships that have anchored along the Red Sea are waiting for the next move from international bodies to make sure that indeed they're not attacked by the rebels. Nick Mudimba, CGTN, Nairobi, Kenya. The beginning of 2024 marks an important moment for China's burgeoning cruising market as Adora Magic City completed its maiden voyage. It's China's first homegrown large cruise ship. And in today's Biz Focus, CGTN's Lily Liu takes us abroad the Adora Magic City to experience the ship firsthand and explore what opportunities it brings for the global cruise industry. As they say, you haven't lived until you have sailed. Hi everyone, I'm Lily Liu and this is Biz Focus feeding China's economic pulse. Guess what? I'm on board the Adora Magic City, China's first home-built large cruise ship. The ship's giant, over a thousand feet long and weighing in a hefty 135-500 tons, is ready to house over 5,000 guests with more than 2,000 guest rooms. This beauty took five years to go from blueprints to getting sail from Shanghai as the new year kicks off. So it's pretty much a floating city. Why don't I take you on for the city walk? Packed with 16 floors, there's 40,000 square meters of space to live it up and kick back. I easily locked my 10,000 steps just checking out the slice of the place. It's a very nice vessel, very nice. It has all the latest technology, all very good quality. The vessel is very stable, it's uh, strong. This just got me more curious about how high-tech makes life aboard the cruise awesome. Usually on a cruise ship, you would hear some humming and buzzing. Time now for a noise test in my cabin. 
This is an app I downloaded that can test noise levels. It's zero now, and I click start. Okay, the average is 49, and the minimum 47, max 56. And if you're worried about a ship shaking things up, check this out. I'm setting this glass full of water on the table here. Let's see how much it spills after a full day out at sea. It's amazing. Not a drop. Out on the deck, passengers are having fun making scores in the mini golf course and basketball court. Further evidence of the ship's stability. My biggest impression is the ship is so stable. I used to get seasick. Now this time, I feel like I'm just inside another luxury hotel. Very comfortable. 特别的舒服 Of course, it depends on more than geometry. A series of core technologies have been tackled over the past five years. The ship's builder, Shanghai Weigaochao Shipbuilding Co Limited. A company owned by China's State Shipbuilding Corporation has worked with over 5,000 technicians and engineers from more than 30 countries. The fact that China is able to build a large cruise ship is dubbed as taking the last pearl of the crown of shipbuilding. Now, this pearl is going to be tested in the marketplace. While doubling down on hardware, winning hearts is about the service. The crew on the ship, over a thousand strong from 30 countries, they're all about top-notch in everything. The last two decades, the people they are more demanding because they travel a lot. They can compare you every product with any other product they try in the past. So, if you want to be successful, you need first of all to read the customers. Preference. So everything we create here and we design is based on the Chinese market preference, on the their needs, and we have customization and exclusivity in our product. What makes cruise traveling stands out is that it's one stop for my travel needs. We can save time on the road while having fun all day long. This is very tempting for young people. From supplier to partners, from crew to customers, China seems to be flexing its muscle in the global cruise supply chain big time. Behind it is China's growing spending power. Earlier, I caught up with analyst Jimmy Zhu to break it down in Shanghai. How is the global supply chain harnessing on China's booming cruise industry? We believe there's a lot of investments need to be made to build a port, to build the relevant infrastructure. So this is also a very, very good opportunity. Um, to expand in the、um, industrial, especially in the supply chain. So when we have a more comprehensive supply chain around the world, we believe that will also help China to start to build its cruise industry to the next stage. On to the next stage, cruise liners will need to put out all the stops to cash in on China's booming cultural tourism market to make those dream vacations a reality. China's tourism market now is all about that custom touch and variety. With China's own cruise market stepping up its game, we're looking at China to become the world's top cruise market by year 2035. But like every sail has its ups and downs. It's not just the arrival, but the journey that matters. That will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm Michelle Vandenberg in Beijing.